Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced profit first strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. On today's episode, we will start to peel back the layers of expenses that thwart your profitability and talk about what you can do now to improve your profitability. And we will also be joined on the podcast by my fellow Mastery Profit First professional and author of the book, Profit First for Microgyms, John Briggs. Let's be honest, we all have profit problems. And we need to always be vigilant about putting profit first. Selling more won't solve your profit problems. Working more won't solve your profit problems. In fact, there are only two ways to increase profitability. Number one, increase margin. Number two, decrease expenses. Today, we are going to start a fun challenge to increase your profits. The challenge, if you choose to accept it, my entrepreneurial friend, is to cut 10% of your current expenses by going through a series of quick exercises and actually looking at your expenses. You're going to start by pulling your income statement from last year, also known as your P&L or profit and loss statement for last year. What were your total expenses? Take your total expenses number minus payroll expenses of owners or officer salary and minus salaries and wages of your employees and minus employer taxes. And now we have your operating expenses total less your salary and wages expenses. And folks, we're not going to split hairs here. This is a podcast. You're most likely in your car, so we're going to talk high level. We're going to keep it real simple so you can take easy, actionable steps to start impacting and improving your profitability in decent chunks with each of these episodes. So over the next few episodes, we are going to go after the big stuff in terms of categories of expenses, and we'll keep peeling back the layers of expenses. For now, let's get some quick, big savings. This operating expenses total, less the payroll, is the number we're going to reduce by a target of at least 10%. And if you've already implemented Profit First, my entrepreneurial friend, congratulations. 
but that does not give you a pass on this episode or challenge. In fact, we recommend that at the minimum, annually, you should go through the steps outlined in Mike's book, Profit First, about cutting expenses. And if you are a true Profit First rock star, you are really looking at your expenses every single month. So if there is some bleeding, you can put a stop to it quickly and turn that wasted expense into cash on hand profit. So what is 10% of that operating expenses total less your payroll number? Were your operating expenses less payroll $100,000? Then 10% is $10,000. If your operating expenses were $500,000, then 10% is $50,000. And before you say you can't cut anything, well, I've got two comments on that. Number one, if you can't anything, then this is probably not the podcast for you because the 17% of entrepreneurs who are profitable always, always, always figure out a way They have what American academic, psychologist, and popular science author Angela Duckworth calls high grit. What exactly is high grit? High grit is the tendency to sustain interest in and effort toward very long-term goals. And self-control is the voluntary regulation of impulses in the presence of momentarily gratifying temptations. So. It is the counter to shiny object syndrome. It's not hearing the word squirrel and getting distracted. High grit is the effort and focus to keep going and keep pushing, no matter how long it takes, because you know, deep down, it will only be with your effort that it actually happens and comes to fruition. This is why you are a 17 percenter entrepreneur. You have that something special. You have high grit to overcome obstacles, overcoming obstacles, big and small and seemingly never ending obstacles. My 13 year old son, James, can name the perfect example of someone with high grit. Rudy Rudiger, the title character and real life person from the movie Rudy. He had a goal of getting onto the field at Notre Dame as a football player. Even though he was smaller, slower, and weaker than his teammates, he did not let that discourage him from his goal. Rudy worked hard his entire career for one moment, and he made the most out of the opportunity. It was Rudy's effort and grit, not talent and luck, that helped him achieve his goal. So I know you won't say you can't when it comes to cutting expenses because you have high grit. And reason number two is because you are a 17 percenter entrepreneur. You are not an ostrich with your head buried in the sand when it comes to your financials. You are a business owner. And as the business owner, you and only you must own the financials of your company. You are the only one who can write your ship. You are the only one who can make the cutting of expenses a reality. You are the captain of your ship. You must lead like the best of them. You can do this because number one, you have high grit. 
You are like Rudy who perseveres and almost but never does quit. And number two, you know you cannot be a wimp or like an ostrich with their head buried in the sand when it comes to owning your financials. You have to make and lead the key drivers to profitability in your business, increasing margin and cutting expenses continually. So now let's get back to the fun of diving into cutting expenses to increase your profitability. First thing we're going to do is cut personal perk expenses. We interrupt this programming for an important news alert. Your business is not your personal ATM. There are consequences of using company funds to support your lifestyle. Let's keep business strictly business. If you are unwilling to do this, then you will never realize your company's true profitability. Additionally, you are hurting the valuation of your business and potential sale when your financials are riddled with personal perk expenses. As Benjamin Franklin famously said, nothing is certain except for death and taxes. Yes, we are all going to pass away at some point. It may be sooner rather than later. Is your spouse really in a position to continue your company after your passing? If you are gone, are your company's financials really clean, showing a healthy profit because your income statement is not mired with personal expenses? Let's make this vision of clean, dare I say, sterile company financials your ultimate goal so that when you pass, your family can capitalize on your death by selling the company for top value because of the quality of your financials. And if you and your current accountant are of the mindset of, but if I spend it out of the company, then I don't have to pay taxes on it. Well, then this might not be the podcast or tribe for you. So the first step is to take a gander at your personal expenses. How much have you been spending on personal perk expenses? Trips to Hawaii with the family you booked as business conference travel on your income statement? Dinners out on a Saturday or Sunday night at a neighborhood restaurant? Amazon purchases coded as office expenses for items that have not nor will ever be used in or by your company? I cannot say I have seen it all in terms of personal expenses when working with other entrepreneurs to cut their expenses and increase their margins because I continue to be surprised as to what I see as personal expenses on income statements. But I can testify that those who have implemented Profit First have cash in their vault accounts to see them through rainy days and freaking pandemics. Those who think they have outsmarted Uncle Sam by freely spending the cash in their business, well, those were the ones that were desperate to get PPP loans during the pandemic because they had purchased crap to save on taxes, and now they are more beholden to the freaking government because they need PPP money to keep themselves in business? And now back to our regularly scheduled programming, cutting your expenses. So let's total that personal perk expenses numbers up after you go through line by line the expenses on your income statement from last year. Be honest with yourself. Maybe you have buried your head in the sand on this one and used your business like a personal ATM. You need to know what this personal perk spending adds up to. 
Is it $6,500 per year or $35,000 per year? Does it account for 3% of your operating expenses or 33% of your operating expenses? You don't know what you don't know, so it's time to face the music and know. I will admit, because I have been there and done that, there is a strange personal ATM phenomenon with business owners and their business. We can tend to spend more capriciously when it comes out of our company's money than if it is their personal bank account. The personal bank account we're less likely to spend out of because we most likely have more accountability to our spouse or significant other. The company money, mm, no one really oversees that except you, the owner. When you stop using your business as a personal ATM and that spending on personal perks starts coming out of your personal bank account funds, you tend to spend less, which means you're holding on to more cash in your business, which means you are building genuine cash in hand wealth, not squandering it away on stuff you struggle to recount a year from now. I am not saying don't go to Hawaii or go to conferences, but don't pay for the whole family to go to Hawaii out of the business. So my challenge to you with this episode is to do step one of cutting expenses by looking at how much you spent last year and the year before that on personal perk expenses and commit to ditching this bad habit common amongst the 83 percenters because you are going to kill two birds with one stone on this step. First, you'll be retaining cash in your business to build your vault accounts. Your first vault account to get you three to six months or more of operating expenses. Who knows how long the next pandemic will last? Let's build that stash of cash now. And you will also have more cash bank to scale your business without adding risk. Your additional vault accounts will have banked extra cash to hire new employees and your own cash to buy new equipment without taking loans or financing crap. Second, you will have clean and dare I say sterile financials that position your company for acquisition or sale. Again, if your number one purpose in life is that you want to take care of your family, then ensure that your business is valuable in the event something happens to you and that you have left this earth. If your company's financials are not mired with personal perk expenses, vacations, dinners, home repairs, Amazon crap that was never intended for use in your offices, then you, my friend, are building wealth and value and you are a true 17 percenter. Now, our goal is to cut 10% of your operating expenses, not including payroll. Hopefully, your personal expenses do not total 10%, but if they did, good news, you'll be cutting more than 10% when we're done with our cutting expenses series here. So this week's exercise is part one of peeling back the layers of expenses in your business that are stymieing your profitability. Come back next week for more cost-cutting fun as we peel back another layer of operating expenses. But this episode is not over. And our special guest today on Profit First Nation is John Briggs. 
the CPA and CEO of Insight Tax and Accounting, a multi-million dollar tax and accounting firm, which is also the largest firm serving micro gym owners in the country. In addition to being a mastery level certified profit first professional, John also has a black belt in Lean Six Sigma. John is so passionate about helping other micro gym owners. He actually became a micro gym owner himself and owns a CrossFit gym in the greater Salt Lake area. No one I know cares more about micro gym owners than John, and no one is more of an expert than the man who also wrote the book, literally. John's book, Profit First for Micro Gyms, is available on Amazon and a must read for gym owners. And I love in your book, John, how you talk about stories. And that's why I wanted to have you on Profit First Nation because I think it resonates with everyone who's a business owner and kind of the stories we tell ourselves about why we maybe don't deserve to be profitable. And so I love your take on that. Um, what do you think is the, is, is the number one most common one you hear in terms of people's stories about why they don't deserve to be profitable? Well, you know, we, with our tax firm, we deal a lot with just service-based businesses in general. And so this definitely is not exclusive to micro gyms only. Um, I would say there's probably about five common ones that I hear. Um, so like service-based businesses, sometimes they're just really passionate about the service itself. And so they'll convince themselves there's not really money in this business anyways, or, you know, people can go somewhere else and pay cheaper rates. So they don't really want to pay me what I'm asking. Um, maybe because they're so passionate about it, they've convinced themselves, you know, it, it's, it's just a hobby. I don't even want to make money. It's just a hobby. I only want to help people, so don't pay me. I'm I'm helping people, and that's enough compensation for me. Um, you know, just things like that. Like I'm not in it for the money, but you know, if I were trying to make money off of it, I'd only need a few more members or a few more clients, um, and then I'd be I'd be all good. So those are probably the common ones that I hear. Um, and then, of course, in the book, I reference those are really just symptoms of a bigger problem, which when people are in a service-based business, there is an aspect of helping others that is really profoundly powerful for them. And they convince themselves, you know what? Profit is, is just a benefit for me, and it doesn't help me serve my members. And so they've convinced themselves that they don't deserve to be profitable um, just because they had that limiting belief that, you know, it, it, it's only going to help me and not my members. But that's a, a, a big fallacy. So how <laughs> can they change that, that course? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a mindset guy, but I certainly am a big proponent of working with mindset people they definitely have to get over that hump. They have to understand that in reality, to actually serve people consistently, you are going to need profit. People need to understand profit is the necessary fuel for any business's survival. If you don't have profit, you're not going to be able to stay in business. Like profit literally would mean you have cash left over after offering your services 
with customers paying you and then you paying all your expenses, if you don't have cash left over, like your expenses have to get funded somewhere. So maybe you have to take a second job. Now you're going to get burnt out because you're working two jobs. Maybe you borrow money or you're putting it on a credit card, which is really borrowing money. Um, all of those resources, like the Band-Aid fixes, are just temporary. And so if you don't have profit in the long run, really your desire to serve people is hindered uh, and, in fact, completely destroyed if you don't have cash left over. So, yeah, we're we're big proponents of helping um, clients and any business owner get over that hump. Like they have to see that by having profitability, I can actually serve more people. I'm going to ask you, so, so just getting 10 more members, does that fix the problem? Yeah, no, um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't. I mean, I'm isn't like, that what everyone says, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm specifically thinking about a client who literally said that when they had about 50 clients and like, no, I just, I'm good. Like, I'm going to focus on profitability. I'm just going to add 10 more members. I mean, he literally said that at 50 members, 60, 70, 80, at 100 members, even at 150 members, he's like, I just need 10 more. So it because just, it, 10 more wasn't enough. It was another 10 and another it's 10. It's always another 10 because okay. he wasn't focusing on the profitability aspect. He was only focusing on this idea of the magic bullet of more sales. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I just need more sales and that's going to solve the problem. When, when you look at it like, okay, well, if I'm selling a widget for $10 and I only have $1 left over or worse, I'm actually paying money to sell that widget at $10. He just wasn't thinking through that. Um, I mean, so obviously the, the happy ending to that story is um, when we, we got him focusing on profit, 150 members ended up being enough for him to have profitability. He just had to identify expenses that weren't really producing value for him or his members. Mm -hmm. And he probably also could have been profitable at a hundred members. He just wasn't looking at it at that perspective yeah. when he was at a hundred members. Yeah, exactly. Now I, this isn't, I, I mean, obviously there is definitely a scenario where you need more revenue. Your, your shovel to fill the hole has to be a certain size, but um, you and I both know, especially from Mike's latest book, fix this next uh, profitability sits right on top of the base of sales because yeah, you can have as much revenue as you want, but if you don't have anything left over, uh, you're going to be, you're, it's, it's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. I really like in your book, um, how you have sort of taken KPIs and, um, changed that the meaning a little bit on that acronym and key predictive indicators and I think, again, a lot of those key predictive indicators you focus on somewhat for obviously micro gyms in your book, but I think that there's also one that a lot of people look at and they kind of get sucked in by their marketing people, and that is lifetime value of a client. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I take a pretty bold stance on that in my book, and I say that I, I just don't like that metric at all. Um, and in my limited experience as a researcher, what I did find was the first reference I could find to the term um, lifetime value came from a marketing book, which makes total sense. Because if we think about the way marketers use that, um, they're going to come in and say, look, let's look at the lifetime value of your customer. Well, what is it? It's $10,000. Oh, perfect. So that means you should be willing to spend $9,999 
to acquire that member or that client, which means that's how much of a budget you need to give me to manage. And of course, my fees happen to be predicated on how much money I budget or I manage for, you know? So there is too much self-interest on the marketing part. Um, Not to mention when you actually try to figure out lifetime value and you look at the way it's historically described, there's just way too much guessing going on. Okay, I need you to guess how long this client's going to be with you, guess what services they're going to use from you in their entire lifespan that they're with you, guess how much money they pay for that, and uh, yeah, then of course, that's how we're going to come up with your lifetime value. Like, I just, I don't, if I can take out guessing and put in more like factual data or more realistic numbers, I think that gets us to a better result. So in the book, I I talk about as a, in our firm, we use what we call EAR, estimated annual revenue, because when a client signs up with us, we are looking at the next 12 months. What does our relationship look like? We even have engagement letters and things like that. So they're committing to us just like we're committing to them. These are the services we're offering. These are the services you want from us in the next 12 months. So let's just look at the next 12 months as a metric because I can more confidently guarantee that's a real number as opposed to guessing, uh, are they going to be with me for five years, six years, 10 years? I mean, because if you're off on your guess, that affects your lifetime value calculation, which then affects how much money you end up feeling like you're willing to pay to bring on a new client, which again, then can backfire drastically. Exactly. So it's definitely better to look at things from a year to year perspective than trying to get mesmerized and, 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 and hopeful into a lifetime value because yeah, we have no control over whether it would be five years or 15 years. Totally. And when I think about that too, it's just like, okay, um, you're going to be with me five years or four years. Well, isn't my goal as the owner to keep you with me each additional year? Aren't I already going to try to provide a good enough service for them to stay with me every year forever? So how does knowing what I'm guessing at the time they're going to be with me change my behavior? It doesn't. I'm going to try to provide the best service possible so they keep using me forever. And so that, again, it's another reason why I don't, I just don't like that metric at all. And let's, if you don't mind, um, sharing with us a Profit First Nation inspiration success story and um, talk to us a little bit about Chris Plentis, who owns CrossFit Kana and his kind of Profit First journey. Yeah. So Chris, um, you know, when he started off, he like uh, most people in a service-based business, again, focused on other people and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying to argue, um, and I think the podcast also does a great job with this argument, um, you really need profit if you want to have a viable business and serve people. So he wasn't paying himself at all. Um, He came across the Profit First methodology and, of course, uh, identified the smaller plates. He set up his first caps, his current allocation percentages as a goal to get to, and then by using the system and following it the way it does, he was systematically able to increase that over um, you know, a relatively short amount of time where instead of like basically being a slave to his business, his business was now at least supporting his lifestyle 
which then in turn gives you more motivation as the owner because you're not burnt out. You don't feel like you're working hard with nothing to show for it. We, we need that type of like communication back. I don't know what the right word to use, but that type of messaging from our business, like, Hey, what you're doing for me is working out. Here you go. Congratulations. Like we need that reciprocation. I'm creating value for the business and the business needs to bring that back to me as well. If I need to, in order for me to maintain motivation and I get it. Like when I say that, I know some service based owners kind of roll their eyes. Like, well, then you don't truly believe in your purpose. Uh, but the reality is everybody will burn out eventually if they're not having any sort of like acknowledgement that what they're doing is making a difference. Um, anyway, so Chris was, is, is a, a, just a great story in that sense. He used a profit first system. He's able to pay himself a livable wage. He's comfortable. His gym has profitability and uh, his members then are going to be served better because he can focus on them instead of stressing out about where food is going to come for himself. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he was, he started off when he implemented Profit First paying himself $500 a month. I mean, who can live on $500 a month? And, you know, with getting it implemented and, and then increasing the percentages over quarters, I mean, as of, as of the book, he was up to 15%, which is tremendous because that's a much higher multiple than 500, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so if you are a micro gym owner, you have definitely have to check out John's book, Profit First for Micro Gyms. He really gives you some great industry specific advice and gives you specific allocation percentages and lots of great recommendations. Plus he has a plethora of resources and tools behind the scenes uh, that he gives you access to when you purchase his book. And that book is available on Amazon. So thank you so much for joining us, John. If you want to reach out to John and his firm, it's insighttax.com. That's insighttax.com. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Danielle. As a special treat, John was gracious to spend more time with me and we recorded a special bonus episode, which really dives into Profit First for Microgyms. This special bonus episode is available on our website, ProfitFirstNation.com. Before we say ta-ta for now, just a quick reminder that the challenge is on. Over the next few episodes, we will be cutting our expenses, me included. So next week, I will come back with my cuts in terms of part one of the challenge and my evaluation of personal perk expenses in our businesses. And I would love to hear how you fared in this first episode of the challenge to cut expenses by taking a hard look at personal perk expenses you have been bearing in your company's operating expenses. Email me what you are cutting in terms of personal perk expenses at hello at profitfirstnation.com. Thank you for accepting the challenge of cutting 10% of your operating expenses over the next few weeks. I look forward to sharing more with you on this profit driving challenge on next week's episode. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. 
Nonprofit First Nation's website, social media accounts, and related podcasts are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 